You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. here, Fox Trader and founder of Desire to Trade. Welcome to episode 104 of the Desire to Trade podcast. Two years ago, I sat down to record my first ever podcast interview. I remember I was kind of shaking a little bit because I didn't know how to talk in a microphone. I didn't know what people would think of those podcasts. But I was really fortunate to have someone say yes to be my first guest on the podcast. This person was Andrew Mitchum. And since there's been 100 episodes published since that first interview, I decided to re-invite Andrew back on a podcast to do kind of a follow-up interview. Andrew is someone I learned a lot from, and I've had the chance to apply a lot of his lessons in my trading early on. In this episode, we target a little bit more the lesson Andrew got and the things that make him unique as a Forex trader. Andrew has a trading style that I relate a lot to. So it's been pretty cool to talk with him and chat about the things we both do on a daily basis. I personally think this interview covers a lot of the common questions asked for swing trading. And that's going to help you clarify a lot of things if you want to swing trading. And even if you want to lower time frame a little bit. So without further ado, please help me welcome the Forex trading coach, Andrew Mitchum. Andrew Mitchum, welcome back on the podcast. How's it going today? Good day, good to see you here. Well, thank you. It's a big pleasure to have you here after more than 100 episodes. I'm super happy. And I just want to thank you first for being the first guest on the podcast, 100 episodes plus than that ago. It was really, really cool. I appreciate it a lot. And I hey, guess today we're, really kind of a, today we're going to do sure, sort of a deep dive into a little bit more of what we talked about the first time and some kind of additional question because I know maybe your trading evolved a little bit since that time. And perhaps some things change also, and maybe just to go in more details as well on what you're doing. Absolutely. Let's crack into it. Perfect. Cool. So tell us a little bit just what's going on these days for you in case people don't know what you're doing or who you are. Sure. That in. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm Andrew Mitchum. I run the Forex Trading Coach. It's a company I started around probably about eight and a half years ago now. A lot of very successful Forex traders, uh, clients in 59 countries at the last count all around the world. All different experiences, different time zones, and the vast majority are doing extremely well. So I'm uh, very pleased with the progress that clients are making. We're constantly adding new information to the membership site and new tools for people and just doing everything we can to make them and us very profitable traders. Cool. That's awesome. And the first time I think we talked about a little bit about your background and how you started to trade. But just to recap, you were before in the farming industry. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Uh, probably about, uh, what, 14 years I've been trading now. So 14, 15 years ago, I was up at 5 a.m. seven days a week, pretty much every day of the year and working hard as a dairy farmer, but no longer. <laughs> now you're traveling the world and doing conference and helping people, which is, I think, amazing. So tell us a little bit. So I want to dive a little bit into your trading style because I know all the traders on this podcast all have different ways of trading, different ways of doing mm -hmm. things. Yes. How would you describe your trading style personally? A few different ways. I mean, everybody calls themselves, or technical traders call themselves price action traders, and it's kind of a bit difficult to know what that means. I mean, yes, I am a technical trader and I am a price action trader, but I tend to sort of just look at candle patterns and candle shapes 
and look at the price itself. I think it's really important that people look at the actual numerical value of the price. And the reason I say that is I use a lot of round numbers, like numbers that end in zero, zero or 50 as support and resistance levels. And that helps my trading a lot because it can be a level that you can benefit from by having a stop loss protected by a zero, zero level or a profit target just before one if you're buying. I do use a, a couple of indicators, but fairly much just horizontal support and resistance levels because there's something that everybody can see. I'm not a fan of moving averages and MACDs and RSIs and all that sort of thing. And I also only ever look for a trade upon the completion of a candle. So if I'm trading, let's say, a daily chart, it's only at the close of the day. If it's a four-hour chart, only at the close of the four-hour candle. So it really, what that does is it allows us to have a life and allows us to travel and do things and you know, fly helicopters and all these other things outside of just sitting watching charts all day long. Because when people say to me, how are you still trading after 14 years? I think one of the answers is I don't sit watching the charts all day long. And so for me, it's still a buzz and it's still exciting because it's not a tie. I think that's a really important thing to have as part of your trading. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And one thing that I've realized the past two years, and the first time we talked, I think I was doing something more towards swing trading. And right. I kind of moved a little bit more to, into day trading to try it out in the past two years. And mm -hmm. since I've been traveling more and more like these past few months, I went back to swing trading only, which is kind of a yes. strange progression, but kind of something that I appreciate also because of the yeah. time available that you get with that. That's right. And it also, if you have controlled risk on the trades that you take, you know the very worst you can do from a trade. Uh -huh. And you know you have your profit target in place. And most of the time, if you take the fiddling around with trades, you know, that people do out of the equation and you put your trade in because of reason, you've taken it for a reason after all. You've got your stop loss set for a reason. So let the trade, let the market do its thing. And the vast majority of times, that's probably far better in the long run than fiddling with trades and bringing emotions into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are curious about the kind of technicals and kind of analysis you do on the market. Can you mm -hmm. like guide us through an example of trades that you've taken recently or like just tell us what that type of signal looks like? Yeah, sure. Well, I've just taken one that says closed about an hour ago. It's a Euro New Zealand trade. So what I'm looking at doing is mostly continuation patterns. So what I mean by that is, let's say, as an example, you had a big uptrend, mm -hmm. and then the market pulls back. And then I get a candle pattern or a signal to go long again, to buy again. I'm preferring to take that type of trade because what it's doing is it's buying with the overall direction, but after a retracement. So it means I'm getting in the market at a better price. So not only am I waiting for that retracement to happen, when I place the trade itself, I'm not just jumping in straight away at the close of the candle at the market. I'm still waiting for the price to retrace further back into that completed candle first and then get filled at a better price. It doesn't mean to say I need to be there because I'm placing limit orders, like buy limits or sell limits. So for me, that's a lot stronger signal than a reversal. Mm -hmm. And I do take reversals, but I need to take them when I've got multiple factors, almost like an A grade or an A plus grade setup, you know, with lots and lots of things backing the trade up. Because a reversal can look really dramatic on your chart if you had a, a huge uptrend and then you take a sell trade on a reversal. And yes, it looks really good when they work, but they are certainly a lower probability setup. Mm -hmm. So for me, a continuation pattern across all time frames is always a safer 
trade to take a safer type of candle pattern setup. Mm-hmm. And what kind of time frame were you looking at for that type of trade? Was it the daily chart? The one today was actually a daily chart. Yes, it was. But as an example, I took one last night, my time, and that was the British pound, Australian dollar. I took a, a sell trade on the four-hour chart. Mm-hmm. The setup was almost identical in terms of it looks the same on the charts. It's just that one was a four-hour chart and one was a daily chart. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm now trading. I don't trade personally anything lower than a four-hour chart. So the standard MT4 charts that I trade would be a four-hour chart, a daily, a weekly, and sometimes a monthly. But I've also got some great software that my clients have access to that allows us to create what are called non-standard charts. They're an offline chart on MT4. So I trade a lot of six-hour, eight-hour, and 12-hour charts as well. I'm just curious, what's the benefit of that? Because I know a lot of people might say, well, because of those time frames are kind of not Typical, some people might not mm. look at them. So yep. what's the, the benefit of having those time frames? Uh, benefit, it just gives us um, some other time frames to look at, some other charts yeah. to look at. And also it means that we're not needing any extra time really because as an example, at the close of the daily chart, which is 5 o'clock New York time, 5 p.m. New York time, at that time I can look at the daily chart and then I can go down and look at the 12-hour, the 8-hour, the 6-hour, and the 4-hour charts all at that same time. So I'm going to be at my computer at that time anyway, because I'm placing charts on the daily chart. So I don't need to, re- like it might take me an extra 10 minutes to scan through those other four time frames, And then six hours later, I'll look at the six hour chart again. And then a couple hours after that, I can look at an eight hour chart. And then four hours after that, I can then look at, which is then now 5 a.m. Eastern time, New York time. I can then look at the four, six, 12 hour charts again. Mm-hmm. So three, maybe four times in the day, if I'm at home to look, then that's all I need to look. Mm-hmm. And how do you manage this kind of multiple time frame whenever you want to look at them? Is it become a habit now to look at the time frame every X hours or do you have to put reminders or something? I just literally send a, um, put an alarm on my phone. I mean, it's four times a day, absolute maximum. If I miss one, like I always try to take the 5 a.m. and the 5 p.m. Eastern time candles because I get more options then. The others are in my daytime, which sometimes because it's then into the Asian session and pre-European session, it can be a little bit quiet at that time. So if I miss those two in my daytime, it doesn't worry me. But I like to look those like twice a day, 5 p.m. New York and 5 a.m. New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. It's, it's also the way I use the, those reminders are really useful because it, it can get yes. confusing sometimes, especially it when you travel. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. In different time zones, and then you have daylight saving, you know, in summer and winter, that type of thing. But the other beauty of it is, is because I'm not taking those trades as market orders, I don't actually have to be there at that exact time. If, mm-hmm. As an example, if I'm taking a trade on a 12-hour chart, you know, I'm giving that trade 12 hours to fill at that retracement order, right. that limit order. And so if I happen to not be there for another hour or even two hours, very, very rarely would I have missed that trade. So although I try to be there at 5 p.m. and 5 a.m., and that's because it's my job, you know, and I'm coaching people and I'm posting on forums, et cetera, like that and holding webinars, so I'm generally there anyway. But even if I wasn't, like I've just been to America for three weeks and I did, you know, hardly any of those shorter time frames then. When I was over in America, it was just daily charts and weekly charts. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be there all the time. Right. And that's going to be my follow-up question. So how do you change this whenever you travel because i know a lot of people listening to this podcast want to 
probably trade and travel, which is also yes. one of my goals that I try to do a lot. But how do you change that? And what are some things you have to think about? It's just really knowing that the time zone you're in and how that equates to the US time zone. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it comes down to. And then, it, like, I always use the phrase for people that are no prizes for trading more. You don't have to trade more. So when I was in America, it was weekly charts and daily charts. So I tried to look once a day at the daily chart over there, which was five o'clock in the evening because I was in the Eastern Standard Time Zone. Anyway, I was in North Carolina and Washington, D.C. So I was in the exact same time zone. So I looked at five o'clock in the evening. And then the weekly charts, we just looked at once on their Sunday when the market opens at 5 p.m. Sunday. We looked at the weekly charts on the three Sundays I was there. And I placed just weekly charts three times and the daily charts when I was there. And there's a couple of days I couldn't do it because of travel. But the vast majority of the time, I just placed once a day charts and that was it. And still came back with a 4% gain. Yeah, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's using a quarter to a half percent risk per trade, so very low risk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah, that's really good. I think one of the mistakes I made in my last travel is that my system might have been too restrictive. So I have some rules that allow me to take only maybe four trades in a month, maybe three trades right. even. And that's kind of too restrictive, I found. But do you have kind of a number of trades you take per month on average? Uh, to give you an example, this week on the weekly charts, I've got five trades that I've had set up. And right now, as I'm talking to you, just looking at my charts, I've got three of them have been filled so far. And most of the day, like today, as an example, I have only taken one trade on the daily charts. Yesterday, I only took one. Most days would be between about one and three, depending on how the market's progressing. Last week, as an example, the market was very, very active, good trends. I took 13 trades in total and made a 6% gain. And that was across all time frames, though. Uh -huh. But that was, you know, very low risk again. That was half percent risk per trade. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing people have to realize that the kind of easiest way to increase your trades is to increase your time frames, like yes, trading more yes. time frames, which I think I, I believe it is. They're definitely. all pretty similar. Yes. yes. And if you are a technical trader or a price action based trader, it's the setup that you're looking for, like it's the pattern that you're looking for. The currency pair doesn't really matter, and the time frame of the chart doesn't really matter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a technical setup. And that's why I like round numbers, because if I have a technical setup, you know, as an example, the, the British pound Australian dollar for our chart trade I took last night, my time, it had a round number to protect the trade, a zero, zero level. So it just meant that when I placed that trade, I had complete protection. I'm just looking at my charts right now as I'm talking to you. It's the ones yeah. 1.6750 level protected the trade. Uh -huh. And I was out of the trade before 1.6700. I was out at 16704 on a sell trade. So I used that round number as a sensible level to get out of the trade before the price needed to break through going downwards as a sell trade. It didn't need to break 16700. You know, right. you get a lot of people that would put a profit target at 16690 or something or 16695 on a sell trade mm -hmm. as a profit target. And to me, that's crazy because why would you do that? Because that 16700 level is quite a strong psychological area. And the, the market's likely to come down to that level, probably test it and then bounce again. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure on a sell trade, I'm out of my trade for full profit before the price gets close to that level. Right. And do you have some yeah. ways to spot which numbers are going to be stronger? Because I know a lot of people trade with support resistance. 
because the thing is, if you turn on the daily chart, it's going to be round numbers everywhere, like those zero number. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Yes, the right ones. Well, when you get down to a shorter time frame, it's really important. So if you have like a, a four, six, or eight or 12 hour chart, I like to make sure that my, I have a setup that's technically correct and I have a stop loss level. Let's say I'm buying a trade, buying a currency, I'm putting my stop loss below one of those levels. Okay. So, so I've got a, extra protection on the trade. Yes, you're correct. On a daily chart or a weekly chart, you have to expect the price to burst through a lot of those round numbers to get your profit because your profit may be, you know, 150, 250, 300 pips, depending on the setup. Right. And by the way, I don't use round numbers as pip targets. I'm just giving examples there, Mm -hmm. you know, but your your profit target could be quite high in terms of pip numbers. But having said that, so is your stop loss. So you have to accept on a daily chart that the price will zigzag its way up and down more often. But because you have a bigger stop loss, um, you're giving that trade room to move, like room to breathe and get to your profit target. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, on a daily chart, they're probably less important, but certainly on a, a shorter time frame trade. If you can have a stop loss that's protected by a round number, it generally um, it will help that trade. And the easy thing to do is to go and look at any time frame chart. As an example, look at a one hour chart and go and just plot zeros and 50s on your chart, and you'll oh, be yeah. amazed how often the price will hit those levels and then reverse. Sometimes it will go through them, but before that, it probably might stall there for a little while and then burst through. Yeah, that's the topic I found interesting, that you always have sort of a consolidation or kind of a range before a big round number. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. It's cool to see. And a lot of people are wondering also how to take profit. That's a big topic. Yes. And I know there's many ways. What is your kind of favorite way? Is it through a fixed profit? I have Fibonacci extension levels as profit targets. Okay. The vast majority of the time. And still use support and resistance as well, but combine it with Fibonacci levels. And what that does is it gives me a level that then becomes relevant to the movement in the market at the time. I'm definitely not a person who says 50 pip stop, 100 pip profit. Uh, because no. <laughs> to me, that's pointless and it means nothing. You know, 100 pips on a fast moving British pound New Zealand dollar trade is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yet, 100 pips on the euro Swiss franc when the market's dead is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, these people that tend to want to measure their profit in pips, to me, it's not the right way to go. So I always use levels that are relevant for the market movement at the time. If the market's moving a lot, then um, my Fibonacci levels give me a bigger profit target in terms of the size of the pips. If the market's moving less and therefore the setup candle is smaller, my profit target will be closer. But having said that, the reward to risk that I get out of a trade is still much the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm still risking, let's say, half of 1% to make maybe 1% or 1.5%, sometimes 2% if I can get a four to one reward to risk trade. That again becomes irrelevant of the currency pair, the direction or the time frame of the chart. You're still risking the same amount of your account. And depending on the trade and how much movement there is in the market at the time, you're still looking to make a high reward to risk out of the trade. Mm-hmm. And I like to see that you have some flexibility there. It's not like a fixed reward to risk. Or no, you're probably no. going to look at the chart and decide what you can get on this pair, which is good. Yes, you can. And, and all that comes down to experience and teaching. And, and that's why, you know, I believe one of the reasons why the vast majority of my clients do so well is we're constantly 
teaching people live. You know, we've got weekly live webinars now. And so since we last spoke, I'm holding webinars in the European session one week and then in the US session, one of my good clients in America is holding a US session live webinar. And we've got a forum site, which we didn't have last time we spoke. We've got live chat between clients. So there's a lot of live information for people to be able to view in real time and basically gain that experience from, you know, sort of full-time traders. Mm -hmm. Because doing it by yourself can be a nightmare. I mean, I know because it took me four years when I started going around (laughs) in circles. So when I look at the, you know, the help that we provide clients with today, there's an enormous amount of help, but not just historical I would have done this or I did do that. This is like live. I am doing this right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the big difference. It's being able to see something in real time. We post it in real time. We inform clients about it in real time. You know, we, when we're trading on webinars, we're trading on live accounts. You can see the dollars and cents going up and down, you know, so there's nothing hidden there. And really, that's how people, I believe, train their eye and train their mind to be able to trade the way that we trade is because they can see it happening live and in real time. Mm-hmm. Mm, absolutely yeah which is also very very good is there something you think you do differently from most traders out there something that you didn't see before or in like online or people talking about trading something differently consistency would be one like right. you know i do trade because i'm posting trades on my membership site for clients i do this every day so i think you do need to be consistent with it uh, the, the controlled risk is important having the ability to trade those various time frame charts is important. Yeah, there's those type of things. It's quite a practical, like honest way, the way I trade. I think it's quite a, an easy to interpret way. The close of the candle is important. The round numbers are important. Getting several things backing the trade up, not just the candle itself, several other things backing the trade up. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything magical about it, but You're it's right, just yeah. a... Um, it's just having something that works in real time. And you're either going to become a technical trader or a fundamental trader. Personally, I'm not a fundamental trader at all. You know, I don't sit there with CNBC going or reading the Financial Times. Uh, you know, I'll look at Forex Factory once a day, have a look at the news, look at what news events are coming up. Yes, I'm aware of what news is coming and what results have been, but I'm not a, I'm not a technical, uh, sorry, a fundamental trader. I'm purely a technical trader. Mm-hmm. And the thing I found with the news is that you never really know what's going to be the reaction. So even though you could be sitting there and watching all the opinions, it's going to be very yes. difficult to know how to trade. That's right. And then you get other things will happen, whereas say like the non-fine payrolls will be, let's say the outcome is higher than expected. So therefore more jobs are being created in a month in the US that month, but the unemployment rate will go up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, well, (laughs) so is this good news or bad news? Which is this? Uh You know, and and then um, these days the brokers will freeze their price for a bit, the spreads will increase. And a lot of these news announcements don't move as much as they used to years ago as well. Mm. Okay. So they're becoming less of a a big market mover. Mm. And how do you react to those events? Because personally, myself, I don't change anything. I do the exact same thing I'm supposed to do. And usually it turns out best. Do you do the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The only thing I would do is if I had anything, a shorter time frame open, right. uh, and when I say that, anything under a daily chart on non-farm payroll day, then I'll just generally close the trade out before. But having said all of that, when I still go and analyze what would have happened if I left it open, most of the uh-huh. time it ends up working out anyway. <laughs> but it's just that first Friday of the month at non-farm right. payroll. But that's the only event that I ever, ever worry about. If I was trading, let's say, 
the British pound, US dollar, on a 15-minute or a one-hour time frame chart mm-hmm. in the European session, and there was British pound high-impact news coming out in you know half an hour, then yes, I would look at managing that trade. Right. Okay. But because personally I don't go down to shorter time frame trades, then it doesn't really become an issue. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And what are some of the mistakes you've made in your early trading career that you think a lot of people also make that they have to correct like oh. right away? <laughs> Lots. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> trading with too big a position size, not putting stop losses on, trying to chop and change systems all the time, curve fitting when I was doing back testing you know, like forcing trades to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at the monetary value as well. I was always trying to, you know, make these sort of um, Excel spreadsheets up about how much money I was going to make, you know, with compounding. Whereas really, the honest truth is trading's hard and you need to worry about making like consistent gains on your account, regardless of your account size, like look to make a percentage gain. And if someone's got a $5,000 account, realistically, you're not going to be able to live on that. But what you need to do to start with is learn how to trade. And and I think that's the thing that most people make the mistake. They try to jump in, you know, both feet too quick. Mm -hmm. Or they try to think that this forex trading thing is going to suddenly change their life around and they can stop work next week. And realistically, you can't, you know, you have to learn how to trade. Because if we use that $5,000 account example, If over the course of a year you've got very low risk and you make, let's say, a 50% return, you know, just making yeah. numbers easy for us to calculate, you know, a 50% return is possible and it's quite, you know, it's quite achievable mm-hmm. with low risk. And but people will turn around and go, well, Andrew, that's that's terrible. Yeah, it's two and a half thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I can't live. You know, how, how can I live on that? And I turn around and go, well. What an amazing trader you are. You've made a 50% return with controlled risk and consistency. So learn how to trade first. And I think that's the problem that most people don't do. They look to make money to start with. To go full-time from the start, pretty much. Yes, yeah. yes. And you cannot do that. You have to, it's like learning a, a skill or a sport or a musical instrument or whatever it might be. You have to do the learning the how bit first, you know, before you can jump in and make a fortune out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I think you're one of the first people who kind of introduced me to percentages in trading, that you have to yes. use kind of a fixed percentage on your account, and that you have to basically see your profit as a percentage also. That's very important. It is, because I kind of sarcastically say to people who talk about pips, I say, well, oh, yeah. I've never <laughs> been to a shop yet and bought anything in pips. <laughs> you know, can you tell me how many pips that car costs? You know, you can't. So why do people worry about making pips? Because it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a two to one trade reward to risk trade on a monthly chart to make a thousand pips and risks 500. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a trade on a daily chart and make, you know, a hundred pips and risk 50. It's still a two to one trade. But yeah. one person's made a thousand pips and the other's made a hundred pips. Yeah. But and the trades are still identical in terms of their, their reward to risk. Exactly. And I think you can even lose pip and win money, I think, in some ways. Yes. Right. Yes. I had a client years ago that told me the same thing. I think he lost about, I forget the exact figure, but it was something huge. It was something like 700 pips over the course of a month, but made money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is very, very important when you think about it, for sure. 
Yeah. Well, ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. So, uh-huh. you know, we're, we're trying to make some money out of this and, and right. a percentage gain. Because if you have low risk and, and a good percentage gain, you can do that on a $10,000 account or a $50,000 account or whatever it might be, or trade for other people who have bigger accounts, because you can prove then that you can trade. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because you've turned, you know, you've made $2,500 on your $5,000 account, and sure, you're not going to live on that, but you still are a good trader. Yeah. And would you agree that once you get consistent, it's kind of very easy to get money from other people? Yes, it does. Yeah. It certainly changes things around. I mean, still, depending on where you live, you've got to be regulated and oh, yeah, licensed and that yeah. type of thing. I mean, to help people out, we're just looking at starting a signal service soon, and, and that's going to help people out who don't have, say, like $100,000 as a minimum account balance. Yeah, yeah because a, a lot of managed funds you know, obviously require you to have like um, I know my own one, you know, we're going to put that up to two hundred fifty thousand soon. But right now, it's a hundred thousand. So obviously, a lot of people cannot qualify for that. So we're looking at starting a, a signal service for the public to use. Mm-hmm. And I want you to tell us a little bit about the competition you told me about. If that's fun to talk about. Yeah, sure. So that that kind of leads into the signal. So um, what I'm looking at doing is every three months, every quarter. And this will be for my coaching clients. We're looking at having a competition. They still have to trade my strategy and they still have to have very low risk per trade. So they're the criteria. And at the end of the three months, I'm going to pick the best trader, not necessarily who's made the most money, but who's made the most consistent gains and low risk, et cetera. And that trader, I'm then going to give them a $10,000 live account of my own money to trade. And at the same time, I'm then going to set those or that trader up and that account as a signal service account so that they can then make some money by selling signals themselves. The public have the opportunity to copy one of my best trading clients or coaching clients every three months. So we're looking at, say, about four clients a year. So it's kind of a win win situation. And from the trader's point of view, what I'm looking at doing, because I found that the biggest holdback to most traders, even if they're a good trader, is their account size, their personal account size. So by selling a signal service to the best trader, it's not only helping the public because they then have the ability to follow a very good trader. The trader themselves then have the ability to make some income, some passive income from the Mm -hmm. signal service, which then they can put towards increasing their own personal account size. So it's basically a win-win for everybody. And the signal services that I'm, well, the first one I'm looking to launch in the next uh, few weeks is a very good coaching client of mine who um, will be running or, or trading that account. And again, it's my account. He's trading a $10,000 account. And people will have the opportunity to copy him as the first signal provider. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. Now, what do you think is necessary to win such a competition like that? For me, it's... Like obviously, as I mentioned, it's the strategy. They have to be trading my strategy because then it proves that they can stick to a strategy. Mm-hmm. It then shows the world that my strategy works, which I know it does because me and thousands of people have traded it. But then, you know, it's proving that because someone else is trading my money and people will be able to follow it, like on a MyFX book link mm-hmm. and as signals. But what they need is basically consistency of accounts. With the important thing, whether you're trading a signal service or a managed account is to have low drawdowns. Mm-hmm. It's all well and good when you go through some of these signal services and you look online and you know they're making like you know 100% or 200% per year. 
And you can look at that and go, wow, that's amazing. And then you look at the drawdowns and they're like 80% drawdown. Mm -hmm. And that's what we will be avoiding. You know, I would imagine, to give you an example, the guy who's trading right now, he's up around 6.5%. And since he started trading my account, my $10,000 account, the biggest losing trade has been $30. Mm-hmm. What? $34, $34, I think it is, because uh. it's controlled risk. And he's never had more than two trades losing at once. So our drawdown is you know, virtually zero. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is an acceptable drawdown? Is that like a percentage number or is it yes, very will be. people? It will be a percentage drawdown. And it all depends, of course, how much they risk per trade. Uh-huh. But I would like to think it's going to be no more than, say, 5% absolute uh-huh. worst. If there's, say, four traders trading you know, in a year from now, maybe 10% absolute you know, very worst from the high. That's not 10% from your opening you know, balance. That's at any one stage. I would think no more than 10%. But I'd ideally like to see it less than that. Okay. Okay. That's interesting to know. Awesome. And is there anything you want to touch on that we didn't uh, talk about or anything you want to teach people that they should absolutely hear? I think just, uh, I mean, without it sounding like a commercial, you know, I strongly believe in the coaching side of things. And that becomes the individuals, you know, up to them to decide if it's right for them. And what I will say is if you have a look back eight years ago and try and see how many education companies or any forex companies for that matter, whether it be brokers or anything, are still there eight years later, I'm still going strong. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's due to the, the personal service and the consistency of results that we're getting. And like I said, since we last spoke, you know, on this podcast, I've added a lot of extras to my membership site for clients for no extra charge. I don't charge extra for these things. You know, like I said, we've taken on, there's now another, there's 20, 20 to 25 US webinars, two hour US webinars extra every year that we're not there. You know, a year ago, we've got the forum site that wasn't there. We've got a live chat that wasn't there. We've got these offline charts. I think they may have just been in when we last spoke, but there's a lot of extra things that we're constantly including to help the client become successful and quicker mm-hmm. and now potentially you know there's signal service and the competition on top and so if it's right for the person who wants to learn then we're here to help i understand that not everybody either wants to be coached or can afford it but that's up to the individual yeah let's tackle this a little bit because I'm, i'm curious a little bit about your opinion on this a lot of people ask me about coaching and a lot of people ask me what's the kind of the best moment to get coaching and also like what to look mm. for in a coach do you have some yes. advice on this or yeah best moment i'd say really is if you can from the beginning because what that's going to do is save you a lot of headaches a lot of money a lot of headaches and going around in circles if you're not at that stage now then you have to make the decision to stop what you're doing because if it's not working now don't continue with it and what i like to do i'm not coaching someone on developing their own strategy what i'm basically doing is it's like this is the way i trade and this is what i trade and teach if you'd like to follow it and if people come aboard and they've been trading for a while unsuccessfully then really they kind of have to unlearn all that information that they've learned before it's like don't go reinventing the wheel when we've already got the wheel you know don't go adding things to it because mm. what we have works and i think that's important What to look for in a coach? Well, like I said, I've been going for over eight years. So that's one as teaching. That's one thing. I think you need to have a, a coach who trades themselves properly and live and 
I said, we're doing this with managed accounts and signal services. We're trading live on webinars. I'm putting daily trades out for clients to follow. So I am trading like properly in real time. I'm not a demo account trader. So that's important. I think you also need to have a system that will work regardless of where you live in the world or what your job is or anything like that. I think that's important as well. These systems that require you to trade only the US yen on a five-minute chart, for example. It's like, well, and there's a lot of you know a lot of systems out there like that, and they require this to cross over that and something else to cross over, you know, on these indicators that you never really truly understand how they work. I think that's a danger. And you know, I said I've got clients in 59 countries. No one has an issue placing the daily trades. If you have the ability to look at the 12 or six hour charts, then you can. If you can't, then you can't. You know, it's uh, if you're working or traveling, then go to dailies and weekly charts. And so the beauty of the way that I trade my strategy is it can be applied to any time frame and any currency pair. There's no restrictions. Mm-hmm. If the market's very quiet and you get range bands market, like two weeks ago when we had the US Independence Day and non farm payrolls that week, it did nothing. There were very few trade setups, but that's fine because it just means there are very few setups. You're not forcing trades because there's very few showing. And then we get like last week when there was lots of movement and we, well, I personally took 13 trades and made 6%. So, you know, you, you have to have a system that will work across all market conditions. And I think that's very important as well. Cool. So I think that's going to wrap up pretty much everything we had to talk about. And I'm really, really appreciative for the time you took to uh, spend with me. So how can people find you if they want to connect or reach out or see what you're doing these days? Yeah, sure. So probably the best thing to do is go directly to my website, which is uh, theforextradingcoach.com. Have a look on there. You might be popping a link on the podcast, possibly. I'm not sure. sure, There'll be a link there. Yes. So um, have a look below this uh, podcast, but go to theforextradingcoach.com and there's lots of information. There's some free webinars, free course, free trading calculator that will help you with the control risk. And you can contact me directly through there. Yeah. Awesome. And Andrew, what kind of goal do you have for the future? Goals for the future. Managed accounts to uh, extend that further. And, and that's uh, been something that's been going for six months and going very nicely. The signal service, uh, as I mentioned, is, is just starting. And so I'm looking at helping people with a lot of money in the managed accounts, people with less money in the signals. And then uh, basically anybody who wants to learn themselves through the coaching. Managed accounts and, and trading large funds is always you know, my goal and we're now making that happen, which is great. Like I still love trading every day. I never got bored of it and uh, I can't see that happening. So, you know, I still enjoy the challenge of it. It's still hard, you know, it's, it's, it's never yeah. simple, but it's a great challenge and it's a great industry to be part of. And what's your motivation for all of this and keep trading again? Uh, motivation, one, I enjoy it. Two, the coaching, it's great to meet other traders because otherwise it can be quite a lonely business. Yeah, You know, that's why it's been nice. I've spent three weeks in America meeting some traders over there and, and helping other people there, which is great. So that's a, a big part of it. Obviously, the income of being able to trade and trade from anywhere is a huge positive. Look, I enjoy flying helicopters and things like that and realistically and doing things with family and kids and things. So Trading is one of those things that allows me to pay for that and do it time-wise as well. Yeah, and I've seen some of those pictures in the past. looks really cool. Any favorite destination in the world except New Zealand that you have? Uh, New Zealand and New Zealand. Um, (laughs) uh, Where else would travel next? Um, 
Some of the Pacific Islands, I'd like to see a few more of those. Would be nice. Been to India and I love that there. I want to go on a an eating tour of Asia. Uh-huh. As in Thai food, curries, all that type of thing. So definitely want to do <laughs> nice. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah just something. Yeah. Just basically, um, you know, um, travel the world and and uh, trade at the same time is is mm-hmm. a great thing to do. But yeah. you know, realistically, with children as well, just traveling around New Zealand and flying around New Zealand is a is a great thing to do as well. Cool. So wherever I go, providing I've got an internet connection and a laptop, it allows me to trade. So yeah. It's a great thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. So, Andrew, we have a question we ask a guest at the end of every podcast. And I think I asked you before, but if you could give only one piece of advice for traders in one sentence, what would that one sentence of advice be? My goodness. Okay. One piece of advice would be control your risk, keep your risk low per trade, and make percentages, not pips. I love it. <laughs> love it. Andrew Mitchum, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Hey, thanks, Etienne. Great to be here too. So that was it for the interview with Andrew Mitchum. I hope you guys liked it. I definitely got a lot of value myself. But feel free to let me bring your thoughts. I would love to get your suggestion all the time. It helps me keep the podcast going. And I appreciate it a lot. I personally had to negotiate a little bit with Andrew. But I convinced him to give you guys a discount for his course. Simply head over to thisartotrade.com forward slash 104. That's the link for the show note. And you're going to be able to see what discount we have for Andrew's course. And if it sounds like a good fit, then it's there for you. If you want to connect with me after the show, check out the Facebook group, desiretotrade.com forward slash group. And in any case, I'll see you guys next week for the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.